The Bengals pull off a monumental and unlikely upset on the road in Jacksonville, and I'm going to start this show with an apology to Jake Browning. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine, coming to you late on Monday night or early on Tuesday morning, depending on where you are. The Bengals get a road win on Monday Night Football for the first time in many tries, and Jake Browning shuts up his critics, and I will step to the front of that line. You can find us, if you're new to the show, on YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast. And we appreciate everybody who makes us their first listen and is an everydayer. And James, I've got an apology. I've got a prop. I've written my apology letter. What do you think? Are you also apologizing to Jake Browning or is it just me? No, I'm not apologizing to Jake Browning. I think he played great on Monday night. He's awesome. And whether it's numbers wise or eye test wise, he passed all of that last week. He passed the numbers test, but not the actual eye test, but 32 of 37, 354, a touchdown, another rushing touchdown, finding Jamar chase on third and one for a 76 yard explosive play going off script when needed. I mean, everything you could ask for multiple nice throws outside the numbers and on bootlegs. It, this was a Jake Browning that, people inside the building said existed, but I think even they're pleasantly surprised with how he performed, given the environment, given how fired up Jacksonville was. This is the first time they had a Monday night football game here, Jake, since Andy Dalton's rookie year. Mm-hmm. Like, this was a big, and I've been in Jacksonville the past few days, spoiler alert, for those that haven't noticed my awful setup on YouTube, and it, uh, it, it's been buzzing with, man, Monday night football, Monday night football, and so to come in here and to play like that, Heck of a performance, but go ahead. You have uh, uh, an apology you, you want to grant with Jake Browning? Go ahead. I've written my wow. letter. Dear Jake, I'm sorry for those first quarter tweets. I'm sorry I doubted your ability to play on time and manage the offense. I'm sorry I doubted your decision-making. Great game, great throws, great calls, and great balls to stand in there and play in the clutch and under pressure. Looking forward to seeing you in week 14 against the Colts. Here's truly Jake. Let's go. P.S., Sorry to the rest of the team, too, for the doubt. Great effort. Great W. Uh, I, I was harsh on Jake Browning coming up into this game. I was harsh on Jake Browning in the first two drives of the game. I don't think he played very well in the first two drives of the game. I don't think the offense was in a rhythm for the first two drives of the game. Some of that certainly on play calling and the approach, trying to get the ball to Jamar Chase early and often behind the line of scrimmage and trying to see if he can make guys miss. Didn't work. The adjustments quickly happened. The third drive of the game might be one of the best called drives we've ever seen from Zach Taylor. He found the rhythm. Browning found the rhythm. And so first and foremost, yeah, I agree with you. Browning played extremely well, better than I thought he ever could. Outside of a couple of very minor, in retrospect, blemishes, mostly early in the game. And maybe more importantly, it seems like we saw a philosophy f- switch 
from from a play design, play calling, offensive design perspective in, in a couple of important ways. And Eli Manning was talking about this on the Manning cast. He talked to Jake Browning before the game. It sounded like, you know, Browning went into last week thinking like, yeah, I'm comfortable in the offense. Let's run the offense. Let's run the offense. Let's not change things. Then he came out of that game and was like, oh, actually these things that I thought I liked, I don't actually like. So let's do some things a little bit differently. I know he talked about that in his post-game press conference as well. Some of the things they changed on third down. So we saw some adjustments and we saw Jake Browning play a much more comfortable brand of football both in terms of staying on time playing mostly very accurate quarterback and if he can play like that and you know it's week to week right jacksonville versus pittsburgh very different defensive but if he can play like that this team can be competitive down the stretch no doubt if he can play like that it's still a problem it's it's still a problem for the rest of the afc now i'm not sitting here gonna say crown the Bengals as legitimate contenders or anything like that after one win but it's pretty wide open. And I know a lot of people probably laughed at me in our past couple of episodes. I, I've been uh, like a broken record thinking playoffs and how the bill in the building, they're talking playoffs and how everything's still right there. And all they have to do is start with a win on Monday night. Well, they got that win on Monday night. And so now where do they go from here? And, and can they bounce back on a short week and get another win against a, a winnable team, a winnable game against the Colts? I think that's a big question. Yeah, that is the challenge. They have to sustain the success. They are not in a position where there's much of a margin for error, although the AFC continues to remain wide open uh, in, in many ways, which kind of rubs salt in the wound that they don't have Joe Burrow in a year where the AFC is just simply not as strong as as I think I thought it would be, certainly. And... It's open. It's crazy how open it is. I, it, it, it is open, but there's still some matchup problems for this team that, that kind of would scare me. Kansas City being one of them just because the Bengals' defense has been, and we'll talk about the defense at some point, still uh, a bit leaky, to, to put it lightly. Cam Taylor-Britt goes on IR before the game. Neither of those are, are great things for, for the future. For, for the defense, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I worry about more consistent pressure and a better defense, a, a deeper defense than Jacksonville can put on the field, and, and the way Jake Browning will handle that. Uh, I think you know there's a taste of that against Pittsburgh, but maybe you don't get that against the Colts, who are also winning a lot of games this year, right in the thick of things in the AFC South. So, um, so certainly will be very interesting down the stretch, but it's not like the schedule – is getting a whole lot easier, right? And so if they're going to keep it going, they need to keep finding the right buttons to push on offense. The defense will need to play better in clutch spots, will need to get better with the explosive plays. But for now, this is a very promising first step to go to a very difficult environment in primetime Monday night football with your backup quarterback and get the performance they got where he outplayed Trevor Lawrence and the offense what they outgained him by like 150 yards or something over well over 400 yards to Jacksonville around 350 or something like that. So really positive stuff for this team. Well, what Jake Browning showed and what they showed tonight is that their ceiling is still pretty high. Now, is it going to be consistent? I don't know, but going on a road, hostile environment, huge game, biggest game primetime wise in 13 years here in, in Jacksonville. And there's, there was talk just of it being open here locally. Like, man, the Jags can get the one seed. And they were looking, and, and this is fans talking. It's not like the Jacksonville Jaguars called me, but like 
fans are talking about it and like thinking about how open it was, especially after Kansas City lost. And so for the Bengals, they are flawed. They're still flawed. Like that doesn't change. But I think now we know the quarterback can play at a high enough level where you can win 30 plus point shootouts or weird games where that go into overtime on the road. Things that I didn't think were possible without Joe Burrow. And so I don't know if Jake Browning is going to have another one of these games. Maybe this is the Brandon Allen Houston game from a couple of years ago where he's just awesome in Houston and that's it. Or maybe the outlier is going to be that Pittsburgh game when he was trying to fit, figure things out in his first NFL start against a really good defense. And he responded the right way in this offense and this off, these coaches were able to evolve and adjust, evolve and adjust to, to what Jake does well and, and they can build on this. And so I think it's interesting. It's, it's a huge, huge win. Obviously, they snap a three-game losing streak. And we got to get to it. The run game, Jake. Yep. The run game, Chase Brown, Joe Mixon good in short-yarded situations on the goal line. I mean, the run game. We got to talk about the run game. Yeah, I think play calling in general, run game, a big part of that. And just looking at the very near future on the schedule – uh, before we shift gears and talk about some of that offensive play calling, including the trick plays, which people are very upset about. Um, the Bengals' next two games, or I guess three out of their next two out of their next three games uh, against the Colts and Steelers, two seven and five teams that they directly are competing with for the wild card. Let's get into play calling. Let's get into the offensive approach, the commitment to the run game. We'll do that coming up next. Today's episode of Locked On Bengals is sponsored by Game Time. If you are in the market for tickets for a Bengals game or any other event, you shouldn't have to worry. It shouldn't be stressful. Game Time makes it fast and easy to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, or theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Love the best price guarantee. If you find the same tickets in the same row on another platform for less game time, we'll refund you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the app, create an account, use promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, you can create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNFL, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-NFL for $20 off. Download the game time app for last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is also brought to you by Schultz Jewelers. And Schultz Jewelers is a one-stop shop. Look, you're looking for the perfect piece for her. Christmas is 20 days away. Well, you can get it with Schultz Jewelers. Anything from, maybe you want to get her a chain, like that Joe Burrow chain, or if you heard Joe Burrow's post-game, or Jake, uh, Jake, man, I'm messing up the names here. Jamar Chase's post-game comments about wanting to be a villain and be an evil guy. Well, you can get a chain like that uh, that says maybe villain on it. The point is, is they can make your custom piece for you. You can get the perfect diamond ring for her if you want to have that holiday proposal proposal or anything in between. Schultz Jewelers is going to have it for you. They deal with lab-grown diamonds that aren't going to hurt your wallet, but they're going to make her happy. They'll make you happy. They're located at 2202 Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell, just five minutes from the bridge into Kentucky. You can check that on. You can check them out online as well at SchultzDiamonds.com. That's S-C-H-U-L-Z Diamonds.com. We know the Bengals strive for perfection, and they handled business on Monday night. Schultz Jewelers strives for perfection too, because when it has to be perfect, it has to be Schultz Jewelers. 
Let's talk offensive approach, play calling on early downs in this game, James. The Cincinnati Bengals ran. Let me make sure I have this exactly right. 28 running plays and 29 passing plays. They committed to the run game. They were balanced in the run game. You had Chase Chase Brown get an opportunity, show that he could be a viable change of pace back for this team, could make plays, could be the guy that could rip off the explosives and use his speed to his advantage. And on the other side, you had Joe Mixon being the veteran back. He didn't have as many negative plays. He was on a success rate basis, meaning plays that added positive EPA at a higher rate than Chase Brown. He was very good in the red zone where he punched two rushes in for touchdowns. So Zach Taylor redemption game. I mean, the offense has been under so much heat and we'll talk about the trick play calls too, but the offense has been under so much heat for their approach in recent weeks, especially with Jake Browning. And we saw a big swing in this game to a very positive effect. We did. We did. And what, what an aid it was for Browning. Because as good as he was, he admitted how helpful, how beneficial it was to have a rushing attack. And he mentioned even on the, the third and one that they might not have gotten that look. And he, he said there's a chance it was busted coverage, but they might not have gotten that look had they not been running the ball so effectively. And Joe Mixon, it, to me, being as good as he was in those short yardage situations, like that first touchdown run was awesome because he was able to keep his, his body off the ground somehow and, and extend and, and be strong enough and have the, the, the strength and, and power and the, just the discipline uh, to stay off the ground enough to, to get that ball across the goal line. And then obviously Chase Brown. This is what we're talking about with change of pace, Jake. Chase Brown brought the change of pace. Nine attempts, 61 yards, had a 31-yard rush, which is the longest that the Bengals have had all season long. Had a 15-yard run as well. Those plays are huge. One, it keeps it's it's a big play for the offense. Two, it keeps the the defense at least having to worry about it. Now, from moving forward, defensive coordinators are going to know that Chase Brown is capable of breaking off a big run, and they're going to look at that. And now that's on film. They haven't had much of that this year. And, and the other part of it, like I said, Mixon was good, and, and late in the game he had some nice runs as well, but good in those short yardage situations, keeping him fresher. Is, is a heck of a way to – or is, is good for this offense. It's good for him so he can be successful in those situations. So I think it was a heck of a job by Zach. Uh, they run the ball on the first play of the game, uh, the mm -hmm. first two plays yeah. of the game. And it, uh, it was like, oh, one for Joe Mixon, one for Chase Brown. By the way, Chase Brown had the five of the first six carries of the game in the first quarter. Mixon only had one carry. And, and Brown was running the ball well, and then they got to Mixon and turned to him. It was a good balance. And I think that has to be the blueprint moving forward. Not that they're going to run it 28 times every week, but that you can hopefully get that kind of efficiency, some explosiveness out of the ground game because, whew, it was, uh, it was a heck of a show. I mean, I was entertained, and I thought Joe Mixon looked – I know the average says 3.6 a carry. Some of that was because of the late game runs at the end of overtime. Uh, but, but overall, I think both guys did really well. Yeah, both players, I thought, played well. I was – I guess if there's a way to guarantee you're going to get Chase Brown the carries, you do it in the first quarter, you know? 
if you're like, oh man, we really want to get Chase Brown some carries, you make sure you do it early because they did go away from him late. Not entirely. He had a carry in overtime, I think, when I, right after I tweeted, I think like, man, I can't believe they've entirely gone away from Chase Brown here, the way he's been running the ball, the way he's been pretty good. Um, But he ends up with nine carries after starting the game with, you said five, five of the first six carries were, were Chase Brown. So would like to see them stick with that a little bit longer, but I also understand, you know, there's a huge trust element with Joe Mixon in terms of ball security, in terms of doing his job, in terms of being the veteran. And he did do his job and he was a veteran on those plays. And so I, I kind of understand where the coaching staff is coming from there. Um, in addition to that, I think, you know, something that I'll dive into a little bit more when we've had time to digest and, and re- review what the Bengals did in this game, but obvious more boot stuff, more play action stuff. The RPOs that they were running in this game were targeted past the line of scrimmage much more than we saw. We, we've seen from them for the most part this season. Um, Jake Browning did still have, I think, 10 passes behind the line of scrimmage. His average depth of target was very low, but he was very good throwing the ball downfield, hitting, I think, nine of nine on passes aimed 10 plus yards downfield. And that's generous. A couple of those might be nine, nine and a half, but in that range and that intermediate to deep range, including the deep ball to Jamar chase, he was very good in that part of the field. And and some of that is the running game, the way the defenses are going to play Jake Browning differently than they're going to play Joe Burrow. Um, But the trick plays nearly cost in this game. There, there are a couple of things that this game kind of could have spun on had they lost this game. And I know there are fans out there that are probably thinking they just cost themselves draft position. We'll see. But the Jaguars had three fumbles. They recovered all of them. They scored a touchdown off of a dropped interception by Dax Hill. And the Bengals gave up 10 points on failed trick plays, one of them leading to a seven-yard loss as Evan McPherson subsequently doinked a field goal uh, from 57 yards off the crossbar. And one of them led to a touchdown because Tyler Boyd threw a pick uh, in the red zone, which is insane. So on the one hand, uh, people are really upset with the play calls because the offense is working and you take the ball out of the normal structure. I'm more upset with the execution personally. I think you call trick plays and, and the worst case outcome should be an incomplete pass. And they got unfathomably bad outcomes out of those trick plays. Yeah, I, the the Boyd one, it's, it's questionable. I get, I get why you'd question the play call because the way the offense is rolling. The decision and they already failed the throwback earlier in the game, yeah. But the decision for Boyd to to throw it, you're still a receiver. Run, run, Tyler, run! Like he, he could have just turned up field and ran. And if you get a yard or you don't, who cares? It, it's no arm, no foul. You can't have that disaster of a play on first down. And it it really it felt like that was it. Like that was going to be where the game. You know, the, the reality check, the, the tires come to a screeching halt, and that's it. Upset alert over. And to the Bengals' credit, they rallied. But I, I agree with those that question that call. The other one, it was just, it was just weird. I, I don't know. Like, you, you just want to throw it back to Jake Browning and have Jake Browning run. Like, I, I don't love that. I don't love the, the decision. And even though he can run, I just don't, I don't yeah. think it really makes much sense. Uh, but the, the the Boyd one, I, I agree. The execution part of it is something that you don't want to see. And, and Zach afterwards said they have ran that play before. They ran it against the Jets last year uh, in the win, and they ran it against the Browns as well. So sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. 
the good news is, is the Bengals had the uh, ability to overcome that adversity and, and make it through. So uh, we do have to get to the defense, uh, a defense that didn't force any turnovers, uh, but did get a stop in overtime. And so let's, uh, let's discuss the Bengals defense coming up next. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we talk a minute about preparing for real life? According to FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if anyone I'm close with got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illness, illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, among others. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Before we get to the defense, James, I can't believe you want to go to the defense before discussing Jamar Chase. Very unlike you. 12 targets, 11 catches, 149 yards, a touchdown on the 76-yard catch from Jake Browning. And we talked about how this offense is going to have to go through Jamar Chase. He had the one drop made up for it immediately on the next play on a fourth down conversion. And where the Bengals got big contributions from the running game and the passing game, Jamar Chase by far, by far led the way. And a lot of that being his explosive ability, but had a few really clutch plays as well. Yeah, he's he's a freak, best player on the field. And, and that's why coming into it, it was like get him double-digit targets. There's all this talk about the run game. I get it. Double-digit targets. And yeah. that's that's exactly what he uh, was able to do, take advantage of it. And uh, third straight, 1,000-yard season for Jamar. Congrats on that. And, and like I, I stumbled through when I was talking about Schultz Jewelers, shout out the Schultz Jewelers, he said he wanted to be an evil person coming into the state. He, he said he didn't know why, but that's what he wanted to do. And I said, oh, you wanted to be a villain? villain. He was like, yeah. And he feel it felt like a villain in the locker room afterwards, and it makes a lot of sense because he, even even the one drop because he had a drop, he responds with the conversion on the fourth down, and and just makes the play in overtime. It looked like it was a second drop, and he somehow brings that in. Yeah, I I, I really don't know how he caught that, but but he was able to catch it. It was a heck of a play. Had some circus catches for sure. Uh, he's on pace for 122 catches, 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, just very basic extrapolation. The Bengals' season, se- single season record for receptions is 112. TJ Hushman's out of 2007. Jamar's currently at 86 catches. And uh, if they feed him the way, feed him the ball the way they did tonight, that record is in severe danger. Let's talk defense, James. Uh, this will be a little bit quicker. Maybe, maybe there will be more time to dive into this uh, with Sands tomorrow. Uh, linebackers, I think, still a problem. Explosive plays, still a bit of a problem. Uh, the run D, better, uh, at least on early downs. They, they did get beat. They, they couldn't stop the, the late down runs where Jacksonville was able to convert quite frequently, some of that being QB sneaks for Trevor Lawrence. Um, but the explosive play problem persists. And C.J. Beathard 
really picked on the linebackers in that two minute drive to force overtime. Yeah, I think ugh, it's a mixed bag and, and there's a lot of a lot of bad, just all of the or the inability to get off the field when you needed to and the, like overtime, right? It probably shouldn't have got the overtime. You're dealing with CJ Beathard. He's just kind of thrown in there. The Jags had just missed a field goal. You have the momentum. Try to get off the field. And they didn't. But they did find a way to get off the field in overtime and, and get the ball back to the offense. So I do think they deserve some credit for that. But you'd like to see more pressure. You'd like to see less breakdowns uh, on the back end uh, early in the game, the first play. Christian Kirk just wide open downfield. And if it's a better ball, Kirk might not get hurt on that play. It was a weird groin injury. Yeah. And, and, and uh, those are the type of plays that just continue to happen. Evan Ingram just randomly being open. Uh, obviously, he a had lot. a touchdown as well. A lot. And, and so you win, but there's a lot to improve on. And things that this defense is going to have to be better at if they are going to, to continue to, to win because the offense isn't going to put up 34 every week. You're going to have to do more on defense. A couple shout-outs on the defensive side of the ball after we talk about the things that didn't go great, because it wasn't it wasn't great. But uh, Mike Hilton, eye test, stats, looks great. Two tackles for loss, had a clutch pass defense against Calvin Ridley in the end zone. And that is a tough matchup. Uh, the, the best receiver for, for the Jacksonville Jaguars against Mike Hilton there. That was a clutch play. For him, uh, Joseph Osai showed up a little bit this week, had a sack technically, had a couple other QB hits. Uh, he popped a couple times, pass rushing from the inside, from the interior, from three tech. Like to see that. Trey Hendrickson had uh, a couple big plays of his own, as we're used to from Trey. Sam Hubbard and BJ Hill combined on a nice stunt to get a, a key sack to help get off the field. Hubbard also had a couple nice plays in the run game. So shout out to those guys. Those guys just popped on first look. And uh, we'll, we'll have to see on tape after that. I think Jordan Battle had another had, had a couple nice plays as well. Um, maybe got beat once as a flat player in cover two, I want to say, unless it was – either way, he was underneath and there was a whole shot completed over his outstretched hand. But nice game for Jordan Battle filling up the stat sheet as well. For the rest of the guys, we'll have to see what's going on on tape. Didn't see a whole lot of Miles Murphy in this game, which was a little bit surprising after last week. And Dax Hill, man, this isn't a shout-out, but got to catch that ball. That was that was an unfortunate play. That's a seven-point yeah. swing right there, if not more. And uh, the, the defense gave up 31 in the end, but you know, seven points, and that comes right after Tyler Boyd's pick in the Bengals' own red zone. And you got another seven, unless this was the same drive and I'm just confused. You got another seven when Dax Hill doesn't come down with that interception. Yeah, that's it's a huge play, and that's the turnover. That's the type of game-changing plays. I think this defense is just going to have to need. It, maybe not. Maybe they can become this defense that just doesn't give up as many yards and, and those type of opportunities, depending on the opponent. But against these explosive offenses, these talented quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence, hopefully he's okay, by the way. I, I think they're just going to need to be this turnover-forcing type team yeah. 
that, that is able to, to take advantage of their opponent's mistakes. And so that is one Dax is probably kicking himself for, and, and rightfully so, because it was right in his hands, yeah. and it perfectly bounced. It's not like he knocked it to the ground. It bounced perfectly into Parker's hands for the touchdown. Yeah, and I just point all of that out to say that, yeah, the Jags also missed a field goal, but it didn't need to even be quite as close as it was. Uh, the Bengals did get a number of good third down stops. The Jags punted five times in this game. The Bengals only one, uh, which you love to see. Last little thing there is let's carry this aggressiveness over to Joe Burrow playing quarterback as well. Only one punt in this game, including going for it on fourth down a couple of times. Uh, we'll talk with Sands coming up this week. Talk about some of the things that we saw from an offensive approach perspective that might be translatable to Joe Burrow's return to the eventual offense in the future. What's sustainable this year? Talk about the linebackers a little bit. Talk about what's going on on the defense. So we'll have more to talk about for this game before we quickly switch gears. We're on a on a modified schedule with Monday Night Football and get into a first look at the Colts coming up after that. But until then, thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.